podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coop Show on ESPN in association with Betfred. I hope you've all had a fantastic Christmas. Certainly the football has lived up to the hype, hasn't it? What an amazing week 16. There is so much to get into. We've got to get straight down to business and I'm delighted to say back on the show, the big man, Iron Mike. Mike, great to see you, man. What our listeners don't know is it's taken us about 47 minutes to get set for the uh, for the video component of this pod with you. Only only a slight exaggeration, isn't it? <laughs> a little yes. bit. At least Rufus is in the room, though. That's good, because we're going to let Rufus out, but he's back in just to confirm that. Yeah, well, that was part of the amusement, because I let him out, and he immediately came, mm-hmm. pushed the door open behind me and and, and came in. My, uh, my bounce lighting, which I think is very Hollywood, you know, um, started to sink across the screen. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the it was the lever you use on it, which looks like all kinds of other things that we don't <laughs> we don't need to go into. But uh, yeah, it's a family you, show. It's, a family, it's a family show. show. Speaking of which, did you have a good Christmas? I did, buddy. I did it. You know, like many of us, very different to to, to the usual, but nevertheless, lots of fun for sure. And and you, because we got some good questions. A bumper mic mailbag. Oh, good. And it could, some quite old school ask Mike ones, including one about leftover turkey, which I'm looking forward to your answer on that. Uh, so. Oddly enough, I just finished eating lunch with leftover ham because we mm. had both both turkey and ham mm. in in sort of smaller uh, quantities. I think I was about to ask you who leftover ham is. <laughs> Played a, a couple of years back in the eighties. <laughs> right, let's get down to business. We got time to get into it, Mike. Start with Sunday night football and uh, another impressive performance from the Packers and in particular. Aaron Rodgers, of course, with respect to AJ Dillon as well in that ground game going. So based on what we know right now, are they clearly the best team in football, Mike? No, um, I don't think so. Um, they're playing at a very good level. And, and Aaron Rodgers is showing everybody that, as I keep saying um, and was saying last year, uh, he was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes. Every now and again, he tries to run just to make the point i think uh, to, to to everybody <laughs> right. but you know there is still there are still very few quarterbacks who can drop a pass in the way he does as we saw on all those passes to Devontae adams nobody else had more than three targets in that game mm. um and Devontae adams had what 13 um and um you know he, he he they will go obviously as far as he goes their defense had a very good game plan for Tennessee, helped, I think, by the fact that Tennessee couldn't really adjust to what it was before the game or back in Wednesday. I had actually gone along with my guys on another podcast and and said, yeah, I like the Titans getting points here because mm. you know, I, I think they could stymie Green Bay. And I think a lot ways. of people thought they would, as long as, of course, they didn't go behind too quickly, which is precisely what happened. Yeah, and that's always the problem with them because they really do want to be a run-first team. Um but then when I looked yesterday um, afternoon and, and saw snow falling in Green Bay, I mm. went, yes, because I love football played in those conditions. And I went, oh, hang on. I told people the Titans were because as, as paradoxical as it seems with, you know, you think with Derrick Henry, you can just pound the ball out on the ground in in slippery, windy conditions. Mm. But I thought it was it would affect their pass game a lot. Uh, I, I, I expected they'd probably run Tannehill more than they did. Um, but I think they got out. Plus, there was an incredible turnaround in this and a couple of other games. Uh, had these one play. To, and it was, the, it was the blocked field goal. Mm. And up until that point, I had thought that, um, that the uh, Hayden Hurst pass interference call, where they called Sorensen for interfering with Hayden Hurst, when what Hurst did was actually to give him a snapmare um, by his head, flip him over his shoulder. Mm. <laughs> and they called Sorensen for interference on we, that and yeah. for reasons like, you know, I, I, who could look at it and, and, and assume it was. It's interference. interesting you say that. It was obviously one of the games we were doing on, on radio. And at that stage, of course, lots of things happening, flying around from game to game. So I saw it, saw the flag called, and I was speculating which way is that flag going to go? They're giving that as offensive, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, extraordinary. I, so. Yeah. Plus, plus, of course. Um, and then then you had the one in the um, in the Colts. The Steelers got mm. the benefit of about five consecutive 
interference calls or non-calls, mm. uh, which which also perplexed me. But they they had one terrible one where the ball was tipped, uh, and they called interference when it wasn't even interference if the ball wasn't tipped. But anyway, going mm-hmm. back to that, I thought the hey, the Hurst call was the worst call I had seen all season. Mm. Um, and then they called the guy for offside on the block kick on the block field goal. Um, and it was held by Drake, <laughs> which which was yeah. I mean, I think it was Collinsworth, you know, just sort of said, well, that's kind of borderline, you know, which means how can they call, you know, you, you have, <laughs> yeah. you have no line, you have the lines kind of hidden under snow. You've got the offensive blockers doing what you can do in the NFL, which is to line up your front foot with the other guy's back foot, which means that by the time you get to the tackle, you're two feet off the line, uh, off the line of scrimmage, well, more than two feet, you're a, you're a yard off the line of scrimmage anyway. And this guy wasn't over the ball as far as any of the replays could show. Mm. Um, he didn't leave early. It didn't affect the play one way or the other. And I understand that the guy would throw it. But if you're, if you're the linesman in that position, why don't you just say 46, step back? Right, right. You know, and, and let and let him step back if you're worried about it that much. You know, um, the trouble with that might be far too commonsensical for. <laughs> for yeah, for well, that that's what of- I mean. That's what referees used to do when when um, when I played in college, at least. Uh, and I think that they often do in the pros too. So, they- Mike, what do we do about this? Because you're uh, explaining it very clearly. It's inconsistent. It's erratic officiating. This is a conversation that you and I have every year. So, so how do you fix it? What What does the NFL need to do? Yeah. That- in my mind, the biggest problem is that there are rules and then there are Mike Pereira interpretations of rules, mm. um, guidelines for the ref- for the officials to go. And most of them are ambiguous and value judgments or uh, judgment calls. And the problem is that not only not only do you have different interpretations, different points of view, literal points of view from where you're standing on the field as to what is and isn't the key phrase now becomes unfair advantage, uh, which I always argue is is just a complete misnomer because a receiver and a defensive back going up for a ball are not on equal terms. One mm-hmm. has to catch the ball. The other doesn't. Mm-hmm. So that uh, unfair advantage doesn't mean you're both guys are hand fighting. If both right. guys are hand fighting, it's an advantage for one guy, not the other. Um, and but doesn't this subjectivity need to be the, not every rule is is black and white, right? So how do you no, get around that? Uh, to to an extent, it all it all it always is. But but when it's programmed into the system, what you get are calls that are dependent on the result, uh, dependent on the effect of what. And then what you get are officials making calls based on the outcome, not the process. Mm. So the official doesn't necessarily even see the outcome the the process and then throws the flag based on the outcome and that was the one in the Indianapolis Pittsburgh game because the guy tripped over the the trailing defensive back and he saw the outcome and threw the flag and then they said well you know he tripped he got his foot out in front and and trip or whatever and then Philip Rivers is on the sideline screaming the ball was tipped the ball was yeah. tipped yeah, and yeah. no one challenged it to do that but but that that to me was the definition of it is that you see the the effect of the the play but you don't actually follow the play itself through um and you know pro- we we go through process of the catch and all that crap um every year and 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 it really makes no difference mm. um you know the difference between possession and control um which is a movable feast depending on what call you want to make and so i i just get frustrated um especially when i see them all move in one direction during a game all right, back to Sunday night football. That issue notwithstanding, it, it, so it's interesting. You just to key it a bit more on the Packers because they're in the box seat now in terms of the number one seed in in the NFC, and it was another fluent performance in a game, as you rightly say, which many people thought would uh, uh, certainly be a lot closer than it ended up being uh, against uh, uh, an impressive Titans team. Certainly, an impressive Titans offense up to uh, up to this game. So, if you're not buying into the Packers, where are the no? Uh, it's where not are the weaklings. Yeah, it's not that I'm buying. Not, not it's not that I'm not buying. Well, let me into, reframe the question. If we don't buy it into them, well, as the, as you the asked best me team if they football. were if they were the best team in football. I don't think they're the best team in the NFC. I think the Saints are probably the best team in the NFC. Mm. Um, but the Saints are laboring now without Michael Thomas. Right. So maybe they're not. Maybe the Packers have passed them. I think the Saints' defense is better than the Packers' defense on a more consistent basis. Mm. Um, the game I would like to see most, I think, right now is the Packers and Seattle because although Seattle's played very well the last 
five weeks or so. They haven't faced a quarterback who gets the ball downfield. Um, and and uh, when they did, which was Josh Allen, they gave up 44 points and lost. Mm. Um, so I'd like to see how they fare against Rodgers. Um, and uh, I don't begrudge Green Bay home field advantage because I love seeing games played at Lambeau Field, especially in January, <laughs> December, <laughs> especially sure. when the NFL puts them on as the last game of the game at night when it's 20 degrees colder than it would have been if they played at one o'clock. Um, Let's talk more about their defense because you mentioned Tannehill, obviously that side of uh, the game integral to, to the Titans. Uh, in terms of competing with a team like Green Bay, 11 of 24 for 121 for Tannehill, one touchdown and two picks. So he was out of sorts. How much of that was down to the Packers D and how much of that was down to Tannehill just having an off night? A lot of it was down to the Packers D. Um, they got, um, they had really good coverage. You know, they weren't, they weren't, uh, they didn't miss out on anything Tennessee tried to do uh, for, for the most part. And um, they had um Savage and and Jair Alexander, I think each had, you know, broke up three passes. Um, well, Savage had one in, interception, but um, mm. this the same thing applies. I and they they rushed them. They um, they basically the only way that Tennessee was going to beat them was to run Derrick Henry and Henry didn't have a gain over, I think it was 10 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he needs to have a couple of those big bust out games. So they did a really good job on that. Um, Mike Patton, I often think, plays guessing games with his defensive game plan and, and, you know, tries to outguess the offense and sometimes guesses wrong. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, everybody does that to an extent, but he seems to do it a lot. Um, And so I, I just thought they had a really good game plan and the passing game, especially in the first half was really simple stuff. To Mm -hmm. be honest, he would, they were sending receivers just out on, on sort of uh, sideline slant routes and then bringing and bringing back down the field behind them. And to be honest, Tennessee had Derrick Henry going out of the backfield a couple of times where he was open and Tannehill didn't, you know, went to another receiver and you would think getting Henry the ball with a little head of steam, right. a bit of grass and not grass, but snow in front of him um, <laughs> would, would be a good idea. Yeah. What do you make of AJ Dillon? I mean, it was a breakthrough night for him, 124 yards and two scores, but uh, so, you know, clearly the, the future is looking bright, but what do you make of Dylan as it's, I liked, I liked him at Boston college. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, he'd be a good fit for the Ravens say as mm-hmm. well, you know, that kind that kind of running game. So he's a perfect back for those conditions. Uh, you know, he's big, he, he's straight ahead runner. He's got a little bit of, of shiftiness to him. And, you know, when you, when you spell um, AJ, AJ, uh, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones um, with him, you know, you have yeah. AJ Dillon, you have AJ Jones, you have AR, you have <laughs> DA, you know, it's like, uh, it's like the A team. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, I, so I liked him a lot. I was surprised he hadn't played more this season, but you know, they like, um, 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 they like to have Aaron Jones, Jamal at, at Jamal Williams is the mm-hmm. as the change of pace guy. One two, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I th- I'm sure I asked you this question uh, about 11 years ago, back in the Channel Five, Channel Four days. But who was your favorite member of the A team? Because I'm torn between whether it be Hannibal or Murdoch. <laughs> what was the woman's name? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember, mate. Uh, okay, let's. No. I mean, you know, I pity the fool who doesn't like Mr. Oh, A. Wait, Mr. A. <laughs> Mr. A. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go on to the Steelers. Oh, so that was an incredible uh, turnaround for, for the Steelers. I mean, they, they look dead and buried, of course, going into that game uh, on a real tilt, losing three on the bounce. Offense completely misfiring. There are all these stats flying around that the Steelers' offense hadn't uh, scored less than 20 points in four straight games since the 60s and at this stage of proceedings, of course, Mike, that is not the direction you want to be trending in. And after the first half, we thought, my God, is this the Steelers season coming pretty much to an end? And then everything turned around. So what changed? Well, I, I mentioned the officiating, which I think 
and and you always hate to say this because it makes you sound like a fan with sour grapes, but I'm not a Colts fan and I'm not mm. anti-Steelers. Um, but I just thought the officiating made a huge difference in that in that second half. Mm-hmm. What Pittsburgh did right uh, well was to go downfield for the first time in five games or four games or, mm. or whatever, you know, and, and once you did that, it, it had a um, beneficial, beneficial effect on everything else because yes. it, it forces the defense um, to, to account for people deep, you know, and that's been a, it, it's a really interesting point. When you look at the Steelers offense this season, the last few games, not with, not was before the Colts, notwithstanding, right. They have been uh, effective, but with a short passing game primarily, right? And people were saying Roethlisberger's arm is another one of those things, Mike, we're hearing another one of those veteran quarterbacks whose arm's gone. He doesn't have the deep ball, but that didn't seem to be the case against the Colts, certainly in the second half. Yeah, I think they were doing that specifically because they were, it wasn't Ben's arm. I think they were afraid their O-line couldn't protect him enough. Right. And, and with Roethlisberger, the problem is that he's going to stand there and take a beating if you can't you know, and, and try to make plays and therefore make ter- turnovers. And they don't have much of a running game, mm. the, the, which, again, I think the O-line's just not as effective a- as you would expect it to be. So they decided to, they would use the short pass, dink and dunk kind of offense mm. to replace their running game and, and help protect Ben. And the biggest problem with that is if you that kind of offense, you cannot afford to make many mistakes because, you know, all, all of all of a sudden you're um, you find yourself in uh, in third and six, you know, when you pick up five on a slant or, or whatever. Plus, his, the receivers were dropping just a ton of ball oh. week in and week out. Deontay Johnston and Eric Ebron between them, you know. Looked like they were they were trying to play basketball, you know. It's like, <laughs> take, get that dribble, take the pass, and get the dribble down first. Um, yeah, so right. yeah, so that that was a, that was a problem, and Deontay was coming up um, lame in in this game, um, mm-hmm. you know, and partly he got a penalty because of that. Um, but Claypool was being taken out of games when they tried to use him deep mm. and they managed to get him get him back in. I, I think, and I think he's going to be a really good one. Mm, he looks looks the real deal. Uh, it's inevitable that Juju would uh, get uh, in the end zone as well after uh, after the week he had. What you must have th- thought that was ridiculous, Mike. The fact that he's been doing that all season long and nobody uh, nobody mentions it at all, or, or certainly doesn't mention it uh, in any kind of ne- negative fashion. Then the moment they lose, uh, and there was of course that highlight reel play where Juju gets bossed and suddenly he is the cause the root of all the problems with the Steelers and he's an arrogant athlete and all of the, <laughs> the, the as you would say the talking clowns uh, yapping away Bleacher Report pushed this out yesterday given the week that he had and as I say it, it annoyed me the criticism that he had uh, he cleared uh, 25k worth of layaway for Christmas gifts and essentials for 170 families last week and paid for Christmas gifts for 200 kids, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. So that's the kind of stuff you should be reporting about players like him, not uh, what he's doing on TikTok before a game. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to make um, that point. Hey, on to the game. It's, the a good, it's a good point too. Thanks, bud. The steel is deep uh, because we've got to give them credit. And TJ Watt stepping up again. Two more sacks for him. He's now the uh, sack leader in the NFL, 15 on the year. So he's got to be in that defensive MVP conversation as well. And it's worth pointing out that's against a strong uh, Indianapolis offensive line, albeit a little bit banged up, but nevertheless a, a decent offensive line. The final seven offensive possessions from the Colts, Mike. Punt, field goal, punt, 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 pick turnover on down so that the Steelers D's got to get a lot of credit for this as well yeah they do um and Cameron Hayward to me is is the key to that that defense mm. um and he's been noticed now he's in all the like all, all pro projections and he's been picked for the pro bowl and stuff like that he's one of those guys who you keep saying he's underrated you know, and then all of a sudden people start noticing him and, and then it becomes like he's overrated because everybody thinks he's underrated. And, right, you know, right. But, but yeah, you know, that, that's, that's always been the base of the Steelers defense. And I was thinking about it a lot because Kevin Green died this week and right. I wrote about him on my Patreon column, but you know, the guys for, at the outside linebacker spots are in the glory positions because they get the sacks, but it's the three up front that are crucial to the to their ability to get those sacks and mm-hmm. and Pittsburgh can afford to often put um, TJ Watt in a position where the only guy who's going to block him is either a tight end or a back, mm. which is 
gives him a huge advantage. Um, you don't want not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not saying anything to downgrade T.J. Watt's no, performance, not sure. but um, but you know, but that's the way the system works there. And 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 whoever was doing that game was really whoever was the color guy on that game was really um, accurate in the in the sense that. He was explaining exactly when Pittsburgh would begin to apply the blitz pressure mm. um, in the second half, you know, and, and at what point when the clock got to a certain point. And he was pretty accurate on it. And, you know, and and they simply wound it a little bit tighter each time um, on each ensuing possession until mm. you reach the point when you know that they've got to pass. And then then Philip Rivers negative points work against him um, because he's not the most mobile guy. You know, he's got great pocket awareness but he's not he's like ben he's not that mo not that mobile anymore and he's willing to take a hit to make a play and of course he made a couple of bad plays in the last quarter because he took hits as he was as he was throwing yeah sure and and the and the game turn as well with the the his first turnover or first fumble anyway in, yep. in many a while so the steelers clinched the the division with that and extraordinarily given the way the other results went and we'll, we'll get into the playoff race now the colts are out of the a hunt at the moment. Uh, so they're 10 and five, as are the Browns, the Ravens, the Finns and the Titans. So it is all to play for. All is not lost, certainly for Indy, but this is how it shakes out. The Finns have Buffalo in Buffalo. The Ravens are in Cincinnati. The Browns, of course, play the Steelers and the Colts need to beat the Jags, which is highly possible. Now the Jags have locked in the number one spot, so have, have got nothing to play for. Uh, <laughs> and hope one of those three teams loses. So uh, it could be, really twist and turn in the final week of the season. Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, Mike, because there are, I guess, a lot of different factors here and we're recording this Monday and injuries could play a part. But assuming there are no dramatic injuries, Cleveland-esque, where there or COVID issues where, you know, an entire unit or, or a quarterback goes down, then who's got the toughest break there? So the Finns at Buffalo, I guess a lot depends as well on what happens with Monday Night Football. Well, that's that's the problem is is Buffalo could be sitting at 12 and three mm. uh, without anything really to play for. Right. Um, because Kansas City's untouchable in that top seed. Um, so, so then what you, are those teams are and, and you can't even work with the idea that, well, I want to stay here because then I get to play team X. Yeah. Cause you don't know who that's going to be. Because you don't be, know yeah, who right, that's going to sure. be because the way of everything will, will play out. So but the fact that you don't have a buy just on that, Mike, cause it is interesting that obviously the number two seed doesn't get a buy anymore. Right. So right. when you're looking at resting players, it's a great point you make where you can look at a kind of tactical, well, we'll sit these guys out for a couple of quarters or maybe the whole game because uh, we're fine with playing it, you know, take the NFC, for example, if you're going to look at getting the five spot, so you're going to play the winner of the East, that's probably the most preferable matchup there. So you kind of get that. But as you say in the AFC, that isn't a factor. But with the lack of a bye week, a, a, a coach is going to be resting players anyway. Because See, that's, that yeah, you, you've, you've basically just anticipated what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> I always thought if you were getting a bye week, it was a bad idea to rest your players in week 17, mm -hmm. because then now you're two weeks removed from, from actually playing. And especially when you're, you've got a certain amount of momentum, whether or not you believe in it, but you know, going. Um, mm -hmm. But now without that, I think, Pittsburgh in particular would be a case for resting players, mm. um, you know, and um, Buffalo, I'm not, I'm not so sure, but, but they wouldn't have much to lose. You, um, if you do, if you do that, Kansas city presumably is going to to rest players against the chargers, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't affect anything one way or the other. So, you know, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, if Cleveland win, they go to the playoff. You yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Steelers might do it just out of spite. <laughs> <laughs> Let's know, talk about that Cleveland I, game. Should I mean, I'm tempted to say Cleveland's a team that's not going to make the playoffs because, you know, Baker Mayfield was reverting back to yeah. previous form um, against, could, the, against the Jets. Are you surprised, though? I mean, given what the adversity they had to, had to deal with, that he had a bad game. I mean, he's, well, they had no, wide, rec they yeah, had no right. wide receivers. I mean, yeah. you know, they, it was a couple of guys off the practice squad and, and someone who, you know, went by the stadium, uh, you know, in his car. <laughs> <laughs> but they couldn't get the ground game going up because they were banged up on the line as well, which had had an impact there. But I think that surprised a lot of people that they didn't look at uh, Chubb or, or Kareem Hunt at all. Right. So it was just a, a, a you know, a, a woeful all round performance from the Browns. And yet they still had a shot of winning it. So I, whether we're getting a bit carried away with Baker's implosion there. I mean, it's not a surprise, is it? 
it's he's he remains a bit unpredictable mm. um and they need to have the, the weapons for him to you know to to give him stuff he's not really a creator in that sense right um you know and we've seen what not having good receivers can do you know to quarterbacks although i note that isaiah ford who the patriots traded uh, was seventh round draft pick to Miami for, and then cut, and then went back to Miami, and he's had two decent games yep. in a row for the Dolphins. So, you know, it's a question of judgment. The team I think is in the most danger. I don't think many teams will want to play Miami because mm. they're so good defensively. They're they're a tough out. Brian Flores makes them a tough out defensively. Um, but wasn't it great that Tua got another win? You know. Um, <laughs> well, let's talk about this because. And, but the team that nobody will mm, want to sorry, play yeah. is, is Baltimore. It, mm. And if Baltimore were to be the team eliminated from that seven, that would be a shame because mm. they've rounded into good form now. Really, you have. I mean, they are absolutely cruising right now. And uh, on, as you say, on both sides of the ball, a formidable opponent. The Dolphins less so, as you said, defensively amongst the strongest in, in the conference. But the offense is still a problem. And the quarterback situation is still a problem. This, this concept of bringing Fitz in as a closer I understand the logic. It was vindicated that the call to do that. But Mike, I can't buy into this idea that Tua is fine with it. It's okay. He understands what we're doing here. It must be affecting his psyche. If, that I don't like, know. I don't know. If, if Flor- I think Flores is a really good coach in a lot of ways, um, including man- management. Mm. And I think if, if you sit down with him, and say you're still in a learning curve um, and there's going to be situations where you, you need, you still need to learn. And I mean, fits through for twice as many yards. Yeah. Uh, you know, in half as many passes. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like Tua was tearing things up. No. Uh, and, you know, and that's a very specific situation when you have what, 19 seconds to get into field goal range. Sure. And, you know, you have a veteran quarterback who's who's been known for those kind of situations. You know, Fitz may not be the guy to get you through a whole season, but, you know, mm. sometimes it is just mm, – What's what's the word? Willingness to put it up there yes. when you have to comes through, and and you know would Tua have seen the open receiver? Would he have known that that guy was going? Excuse me, was going to be there? Um, you know to to take the pass. I I don't know. Mm. Um, and so I don't. You know I I think they they will manage it okay. Mm. Um, and Tua is the starter. I don't expect Fitz will be back unless someone else makes him an offer um, as a backup. I doubt mm. if anyone's going to make, but you know, if you want to talk like what teams should do with quarterbacks, the, the paucity of free agent quarterbacks at the moment is outstanding. <laughs> it really is. Well, we've got some tweets on that. So we'll get into, let's I'll, I'll dive into it and find them. But just while I'm doing that, just to follow up on, on the, on the tour thing, I, I get it completely. And as I say, it's vindicated and, and I appreciate the situation is, is fundamental and that that particular situation uh, very much so. But I guess the broader sense of the game's on the line. We need someone to win it. I, I think, yes, he's new to the NFL, but all through his playing career since Pee Wee, he's been a superstar that has been given the game to win and, and to lead his team. And I, I don't, I think in particular, a quarterback is bound to be affected by the concept well, of, well, we're going to get hand the keys to this guy to get us over the line, even if he's a rookie. When when they did it with Tua to Jalen Hurts in the national championship game, right, um, right. against Clemson, Hurts transferred out to Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, so maybe maybe Tua was wants a- to transfer to Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's you know, I, you're professionals, and I know there's a lot of coaches who wouldn't handle it well, but I I really have faith in Brian Flores and, mm. and his ability to um to handle such things uh, well. Yeah. And I think I think Tua knows this himself. Mm. You know, it's not like he stepped in like Justin Herbert um, or even or even Joe Burrow, you know, and and on a bad team thrown for 250, 300 yards every week. You know, he stepped into a pretty good team and I wouldn't say he struggled, but he hasn't dominated for, mm. for sure. Yeah, I think that's fair. Hey, listen, you mentioned the quarterbacks, uh, the quarterback carousel. Let's get into that because we've got some good questions on that. Andy Robson uh, is asking about Dwayne Haskins, where he'll end up next 
Uh, be very careful how you answer that one, Mike. <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, great place called the Golden Goose near LAX, where where all the basketball players used to go. Apparently, yeah, I bet there. I bet there. It sounds like a sounds like a very nice restaurant. I'm Mike. Uh, George says, do you see Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, and Jimmy G, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, holding the QB one positions at their respective teams next season? And yep. uh, one more for the row. You have five teams sure. you can talk about here. So. Uh, go mad or stop caring asks how, what do the Jets do now they've lost out on Trevor Lawrence has Donald done enough for them to entertain trading that's back? that I think it's one of the key questions to this whole thing because in one sense they're like a line of dominoes that will fall right. um, as I said there there aren't many free agent quarterbacks available who you would want to start Dak obviously would be the best one yeah, but you, he's it's, taking hard, Dallas, sure. it's hard to think Dallas will let him go yeah. one way or the other, even if they wind up franchising him. Jameis um, is only 26 years old. There might be a team who think that they can, you know, turn him around. Um, is that assuming they're going to go with Hill then? The Saints, assuming they're going to go as, a, as the backup. Well, yeah, is I mean, retire, again, right. Well, I'm, we'll see. You almost know, almost certainly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you would you would think. I, I don't see I don't see Jameis as being a great fit for what Sean Payton wants to do. No. Um, in fact, I would say Andy Dalton might be a better fit for Sean Payton than mm-hmm. than Jameis is. Um, although well, he's, he's has, made his call there. I mean, he hasn't given ja- didn't give Jameis a look right when not really out, no. So. That's our no, answer. He he had the game where he was the number two, and then they brought Taysom Taysom in. Um, you know, you've got. Joe Flacco, Tyrod Taylor, you got Rivers, who's 38, you got Fitz, who's 38, mm. uh, you got Sud- Nate Sudfeld's a name to watch because he hasn't played enough <laughs> to turn anybody off. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're winding me up, Nate Sudfeld. I'm going to clip that one up. And bring from, from the Eagles. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know, no. The third guy on the Eagles. I Nate Peterman's Dal- a name to watch. Chase Dal- Daniel, Mike. He's, Chase he's Daniel's a, a name to watch. Nate Peterman's going to be a free agent, by the way. Um, <laughs> of course. Dalton, I think, will probably have some offers because yeah. he's, he's done well. Um, yeah. And Cam Newton might. All right. Um, he's he's only 31 only, um, mm. which in football terms, quarterback terms, is an old. Blaine Gabbard has looked okay, too, when he's he, played. Good he's, when he came in, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he's he's 31 as well. So then the question is. They're all backups, really. No no, one, yeah, I mean, none of those back. guys who you mentioned, mm. um, who Roger Sherman mentioned, have backups who can come in and start. Mm. So Detroit, this is Detroit doesn't, and yeah, yeah. Who, who's no, you know, I, the, the Niners could try to get through with Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard, who's also a free agent, um, next year if they had to, but they don't want to. Obviously, um, I don't know why you would think they would move away from Jimmy G, um, apart from his brittleness. Um, you know, his, his injury. Is that history. the only reason though? Or did they didn't- well, he got them to the Super Bowl last year, and and my argument is always that if you know, he hadn't been concussed by that hit from Neiman. It wasn't mm. called. Um, you know, they might have they might have done a little bit better. Well, the, I guess the critics say, yeah, they didn't. You know, he didn't make that critical play, and and that's the difference. You've got a you know a Kirk Cousins level quarterback that will keep you competitive in the regular season, get you to the playoffs, and and maybe you can that, get it. Think, but that's fair enough. And Cousins is probably a pretty good comparison. Um, but he's also a guy who can. Th- can run in the structure of Kyle Shanahan's offense mm-hmm. probably better than Kirk Cousins could, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so I, you know, I, I can't see them being in a hurry to move, move away from those guys because they're the plan B isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the draft, Lawrence obviously is going to go um, to the Jags and he will probably pretty obviously be the starter. Um from day one, which is a yeah. bad, bad situation for him, depending on what happens with Jacksonville's rest of Jacksonville's draft and, um, and who they bring in as coach, assuming they move away from Doug Marone is who's, um, success with quarterbacks is already well documented um on that mike with, I, the, with, the, Jacks, <laughs> with the Jacks locking, uh, locking down Trevor Lawrence, that automatically makes Jacksonville as a, a potential landing spot all the more attractive for the very very top candidates doesn't it who might not have looked at the gig before because um, they're going to have lawrence like so if somebody like the enemy for example thinks i can go and work with this yeah generation yeah, i think i think that's a that's a fair point um especially for an offensive minded coordinator um i think jacksonville will have to 
avoid a defensive minded coordinator unless he brings along or makes them hire someone you could trust with the the development of an extremely talented quarterback. And right. I like Laura, I like Lawrence better than either Herbert or um, Burrow coming out of college. Mm. Um, I, I think he's got all the tools. I don't see an easy pick as a number two guy in this draft. I'm not mm. convinced by fields. Mm. Um, I haven't looked at it you know, in great detail, but from everything I've seen both before and after trade, he's somewhere between sort of Jalen hurts and Jake Fromm. Um, I don't see him as an, like an automatic um, top of the first round kind of guy. Last year, I thought Trey Lance was that guy, but Lance hasn't played this year mm. and he played the year before at North Dakota state in his only year. And that's a huge jump as we've seen, you know, with Carson Wentz who had a much mm. better portfolio behind him. I, I think I thought yet yeah, last year that, that Lance might be better than Wentz. Mm. Um, and he still might be, but there's, we don't have anything to go by um, based on this year. Um, and, you know, and going through the rest of the, there aren't that many other candidates. Um, who you could expect to to even play their rookie year, much mm. less step in as a starter. So, so you're really talking about only a few people available for those quarterback needs, yeah. and none of them are immediately preferable to Matt Stafford, apart maybe from Dak. Mm. Um, you know, Matt Ryan, same deal. Um, so, so what, what are you going to do? I, and I think someone asked, wrote one of the questions we had was, you know, do, do they, you draft a guy to develop? And I think that's exactly what you do. Mm. Um, and, you know, you might be able to get a guy in, in the end of the first round, like, like Lance say, or, in the second or third rounds who you can develop into a player, but, mm. but you know, the, 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 the hit rate on first round quarterbacks is not <laughs> that much greater than the hit rate on, on developmental guys right. um, in the point. second, third rounds, you know, it's a good point. The, 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 the Christian ponder effect as they uh, call it, <laughs> but they, Mike on, um, on this and specifically on the Jets, and that was uh, Go Mad or Stop Caring's tweet uh, about Darnold. It was interesting to note that when uh, the Jets won and the cameras were going up and down the sidelines showing how much it meant to the players, Sam Darnold was was the most vocal. <laughs> and, yeah. And exuberant. yeah, no surprise there. But yeah. two, two points on this. The worst the, thing they could do is keep Adam Gates. Well, I was going to say, but the, okay, d- hear me out for a minute because I'm by no means suggesting they're going to do this. But when we see a team with a losing record and a, an abject season, one of the things we often hear is, well, they might be losing, but the team's really playing for, insert coach's name here. Yep. Surely, whatever you think of Gaze, what we've seen over the last two weeks and the reaction to that win yesterday shows that they're playing for something. Now, you're, you're a Dolphins super fan, right? Right. <laughs> when the Patriots lost on the last second play. The, the, yes, the, the Miami the, Miracle. Right, the Miami Miracle. Did that make you want them to keep Adam Gaze as the coach? <laughs> Fair, but uh, it's the it's the it's they were more playing than just hard. In, more they than just playing the hard, they got the big upset win. Yeah, it's a fair point, I guess. But but it, no one's making. Uh, I guess I guess the ship has sailed, and, and too much damage has been done by Gaze, both on and off off the field. But no one's making the point that hey, well, the Jets are balling at the moment in terms of you know a, a team that is obviously lackluster in terms of talent has put together two wins and, and, and is is passionate, right? It's going to be interesting because this is presumably a Joe Douglas decision. Um, Mm. And Joe Douglas might well think Gaze is okay. You know, he he may well think that he and Gaze together can rebuild the team. There is some talent on the jets. Mm. Um, They still have a few good players on the defense. Um, You saw Joe, Joe Douglas was willing to, to let Jamal Adams go. Um, you know, and pick up for that. They have draft picks. They've they've got a lot of cap space. So I I always think, and it it depends not on whether you think Sam Darnold is going to be better than Trevor Lawrence or whatever. And I keep going back to that quarterback draft and saying it's weird how all those guys 
continue to be the guys we thought they were coming out of college. They've lived up to their scouting reports apart from Josh Allen now, mm. who has who clearly moved a step beyond what he did, what he did in college. He's learned a bit how to, um, how to throw with more accuracy. And, and mm. um, but Darnold was a guy who would make big plays and make bonehead errors. Yeah. Um, and it's still the, he's still the same guy, you know, who, who didn't necessarily see everything really well at, at USC, but you know, but could make those big could make big plays and um, Mike, let me ask you something on that if uh, you mentioned situation is, is critical of course and trevor lawrence is going to go into a, a, a not particularly great one if he if he indeed lands in jacksonville but yeah. if donald had gone to a more competitive team say donald had gone to a miami type situation for example you know where they were a contender certainly not a, a, a woeful team would would his trajectory have been similar or do you think he it, that stability would have yeah. made that, that was the point I was building up to, I think, was that you have to decide what his overall utility is mm. and then whether you're better off sticking with him and building a team around him that can get the best out of him, you know, you know, build an offensive line that will protect him so that he's not throwing in panic all the time, mm. build an offensive line that will give him time to throw. So your receivers can take the pressure off him. Your running game can take the pressure off him, build a defense. That means you're not chasing 21 point leads all the time and, mm. and having to throw. Um, and that's a philosophy that, you know, a number of teams have, okay, our guy's good, you know, um, uh, he's not world beating, but we, you know, we can win a Super Bowl. If you have a really great defense, you can win it with Brad Johnson or uh, Joe Flacco. Um, yeah, not Joe Trent, Flacco, Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer, um, or, or, or Jared Goff, right? I mean, this is this is yeah, you know. or Jared Goff, and and I think Darnold's upside. <laughs> It's consistency. I was going to say, you know, you mentioned Kirk Cousins before. Mm. He could be a Kirk Cousins if he could just become a little more consistent. Mm. Um, and, you know, can you get to a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins? You probably can. Um, yeah. You know, I think the, the Vikings came pretty close to it um, mm. a couple of years ago. Um, right. But do you want to spend $80 million on him to do that? Sure. No. <laughs> Well, this is what the Rams have done. Let's get to that uh, and the, Seat <laughs> the Seattle Rams situation, because, or rather the Rams situation but after the defeat to yeah. Seattle because the Seattle uh, Seahawks have clinched the division with that win. Jared Goff, who was getting uh, vilified for his performance, it transpires that he dislocated his thumb and had it pop does, back in. Does that word come from Aston Villa supporters? <laughs> Qu quite conceivably, yeah. Um, the... The golf situation is interesting because it looks like he won't play in, in week 17. They're certainly suggesting that right. uh, he's doubtful, right? And right. they are right in the mix right now. So looking at the playoff picture here, the Rams fall to nine and six. It's, uh, it's a win and in for them in Arizona. They're yeah. nine and six. Arizona's eight and seven. Yeah, exactly. So they beat the Cardinals. They're in. But they could also get in uh, the Rams if, uh, if they they can lose to Arizona and the Bears win, so if the Packers beat the Bears, the Rams will still get in. Uh, if they, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yep. So the, the Bears would be eight and eight. Um, however, the Bears, if if the Rams win and the Bears win, the Bears will get in at eight and eight. Exactly right. Yeah, that's it. So so you'll have you'll have the team from the NFC East at seven and nine at the yeah. best. Yeah, at, that's the best. And and the Bears at eight and eight, both in the playoffs. It's great. Let's add another team to the playoffs. Uh, let's talk about the Seahawks defense, because that's been uh, yeah. hammered for much of the season, but it's starting to, you know, credit where credit's due. Right? Well, I meant I mentioned that before, you know, because they haven't faced a down a downfield thrower of any mm. note. And, and to me, the, yeah, you did, yeah. so you the, think the, that the, th the thing was Jamal Adams had to adjust to what they play and he learned it really quickly. Um, but he still, he still is somewhat of a liability deep. Uh, mm. And especially when you don't have an Earl Thomas mm. as your one deep safety, um, he's in the cam chancellor role, you know, basically Quandre Diggs, I guess is the most of the time, the, the single deep who's good. Um, mm. But 
So, but they're not being, if you can't threaten them downfield, Adams mm. can play up near the line of scrimmage and he gets his sacks. He's, he's like a fourth linebacker, which is what you want in that system. Um, and he's played well. I mean, you know, he's been worth, been worth the price that they paid, I, I would say. So that, so the questions when they play someone with a good downfield passing game, they've held, they, they split the season with the Rams, but they mm. held them to 23 or 27. I think in the game they lost, it wasn't like the Rams went crazy on them. So, um, you know, I, that's why I'd love to see them play the Packers right. uh, in the playoffs because I think it'd be that that would be a really great matchup. Because um, the rest of the playoff teams have been looking at it. There aren't. I mean, okay, Brady, uh, I think, has shut those critics up to suggest he doesn't have a downfield arm anymore. Yeah. And, and obviously, Arians, yeah. Arians likes to go that direction. But the rest of them, you know, the Saints, that's not how they're built. Washington, similarly, right? And the Bears. You know, it's so it, it really is that that will be the mismatch uh, as far as yeah. uh, Seattle, because uh, as you rightly say, against Aaron Rodgers and, and Devontae Adams and, and the Packers. What about the Seahawks offensive line, Mike? Because that's a big problem, isn't it? Yeah, and somewhat less so than it was, you know, previously, but they, they want to be a running team. Mm. They want, you know, they're not even. They're not they're not even as concerned with pass pro as they probably should be because they know Russell Wilson can keep plays alive on his own, even if the line collapses. So right. they wanted to build an, a run blocking line. Um, there were a couple of plays where Chris Carson looked like the Chris Carson of old um, in, in yesterday, um, this weekend. But um, and with DK Metcalf, Wilson's got a target that he doesn't have to pl- necessarily place the ball in perfectly each time, which is, mm. you know, the perfect thing for a guy who's throwing on the run a lot. So, you know, o- offensively, I think they can, they can keep themselves the old formula was keep the game close with defense and then Russ will win it for us in the last yes. seven, seven minutes. Um, now I think they can actually keep themselves ahead in games, make the other team. Uh, and that's P that's what P Carroll loves as a defensive coach is like most defensive coaches. He wants to be at a place where he can tee off on you with, with pass rush and, um, and coverage to, mm. to me, the interesting thing is whether, well, it's, there's two, there's, there's kind of like um, two questions is whether Green Bay rest against the Bears, which I don't think they should do because they've got the week off anyway um, afterwards. And then whether the Rams start Woodford, um, who was the second best quarterback in the AAF, the Alliance of American Football. Oh, did he play in there? Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, Garrett Gilbert was the best. And Garrett he was the Gilbert. Second yeah, best. yeah. Um, so, we, I mean, he's not, you know, he's legitimately an NFL backup, say. Mm. Um, he, he lacks a big arm. He's not very big himself. Um, he's Taylor Hedeke esque, is what you're saying. Hedeke lacks an arm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He looked pretty good last night, though, nevertheless. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a heady kid, but, but it wasn't until I actually watched watched him play at the upper level i realized just how bad his arm was so let's look at this playoff picture in the nfc mike um i mean the bears got to wound up our friend ben isaacs this morning uh because adam Schefter was reporting that it looks like uh both matt Nagy and uh mitchell Trubisky are going to be uh, at soldier field for, for another year particularly if they make the playoffs right so it is bittersweet because most bears fans want to see the back of both of them yeah but it's been interesting watching them the last couple of weeks because they are sort of doing what you would have thought they would have been doing from the start with Mitch Trubisky. Mm. He's become a kind of rollout, rollout quarterback, a, a lot of play action, a few um, run pass option kind of plays, but a lot of rolling out, you know, just getting out of the pocket, uh, trying to, trying to force uh, defenders to commit in the middle ground and then just, lofting balls over them and stuff so um i i i you know it's taken a long time to get there but i admire the the effort that you know that they've put in to to do that i and i agree again but you, you go back to that same situation the devil you know against the devil you don't right you know um do you if you get rid of Nagy? Do you have to get rid of Trubisky as well, or vice versa? Uh, if you get rid of Trubisky and keep him, who does he coach? You mm. know, is Nick Foles your quarterback? No, mm. we we already know that. Um, as someone pointed out the interesting thing about the quarterbacks who have beaten Brady in Super Bowls, mm. <laughs> and how they're a relatively unimpressive list, whereas the best quarterbacks that he's faced have lost to him. Um, uh, Eli, notwithstanding, though, right? Because he's going to the Hall of Fame, right? 
Um, we don't want to have that discussion now. I, it's Christmas. I, Come on. In the current issue of Gridiron, which is a really good Christmas issue, and I did a couple of pieces on on families in in football. Families. Yeah, you know, father, son, brother combinations and stuff like that. Um, the the guy who does the um, sort of statistical analysis mm. did a Hall of Fame breakdown and said. Eli's an utter certainty to get into the Hall of Fame. I'm with you. I'm with you. And that, yeah, I wrote, I wrote the editor a letter saying, do you want my next column? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So the Bears, uh, so let's have a look at this playoff picture then. The Bucks have clinched a playoff berth, whatever happens, right, at 10 and 5. So the Rams, we yeah, say. I think they're, I think they're locked into the fifth seed. They're locked. Oh, it's the fifth as well, which is. I, I read that somewhere. I'm not sure if it's correct. Good news for them, because that means, of course, they'll play the, the winner of the NFC East. It, who's going to be? who mike are the, are the cowboys looking the the best bet now yeah it's funny if if philadelphia could have just won one more game hmm. the scenario would have been great because they if if um if they had beaten washington um then they would have finished like six nine and one and everybody else would have finished six and ten and it would have Iron Mike's law of ties being the, tie. the best tiebreaker would have applied, but, but <laughs> Philadelphia is the only team out of it. Um, and, yeah. and um, I guess, I guess what, it, what it boils down to is Washington. If they win, go in. Um, and if they don't, then the winner of the giant Dallas game will go in um, mm. at six and 10. I think that's correct. Um, um, I don't think either of those teams hold the tiebreaker over, over WTF, but um uh, I think Washington deserve it in a, in a sense. Um, and I guess, I guess I'd rank them Washington, Dallas, you know, and then New York um, mm. in terms of deserviosity um, at, for the way they're playing now. Mm. Uh, I think Ron Rivera has done a pretty good job you know, based on, on what he's got there. They, they obviously have to work out the quarterback situation. Um, yeah. They're another I, one, right? So, I think I think Joe Judge has done a good job in New York, which doesn't have a whole lot of talent um, on the offensive side of the ball. The ball, Daniel Jones remains another yeah. one of these guys who's you know like what are you going to do? What he was when he came out of college? You know, are they, they going to stay with him for another year? I think, think they have to, to yeah. be honest. You know, they it's just how do you teach a guy pocket presence? You know, and that's that's one of the things the questions I have with like Fields. With Jalen Hurts, say you know some guys have it, but when you play in these college offenses that make your reads simple, and if that read's not there, you take off. You don't get that sense of of awareness. Mm. Um, and and some of the guys who are less mobile learn it by by default because you have to. Um, and and if they're really good, they learn to take the one or two steps in the pocket that keep them clean and and get the throw away um, as opposed to, to scrambling. But the ones who don't learn it wind up getting killed in the in the pocket um it's 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 a difficult pro difficult process there and you know i mean we had a question from someone asking is dan snyder the yes the i was about to go to, yeah i was going to wrap things up with the mailbag so there are three questions i'm gonna that i haven't touched on yet that i'm gonna get into uh, a couple of football uh, and one, I'll just go ask Mike at the end as well, which we, I think we okay. should got to read. Yeah, yeah you, you, you promoted that at the top of the show. I gave a little, <laughs> little uh, taster for that one. Uh, no pun intended. So Joshua Edwards, hey, Joshua says, is Stan Snyder the worst owner this century? It's a low bar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this right. century at least narrows it down because you really got some mm. winners from the last century. <laughs> um, right. But in this, the problem with the, or the, the thing with Dan Snyder is that he's actually stayed away from the team to a, a pretty good extent. Mm. Now, the, the other side of that was he had Bruce Allen in charge for far too long um, and let Bruce Allen force out people who were more talented than himself mm. from their front office. Um, his competition would probably be Jimmy Haslam. Mm -hmm. who also has kept a low profile in terms of interfering with the team um, lately and also had lots of problems. And then some of the legacy boys, um, mm. Jim Irsay with the Colts, again, left the team uh, to the GM, has kept a low profile. Mark Davis with the Raiders. I particularly dislike guys who move their teams to places where they probably you know shouldn't move them. Well, even um, Vegas, Mike. Come on. <laughs> um, what's this? Dean Spanos, the latest Spanos in San Diego, moved yeah. the team to um, 
and and what you get generally is you get this long kind of consistent mediocrity mm. not necessarily bad but not not necessarily very good i mean woody johnson you got with the jets um who was inflicted on this country as ambassador for a couple of years mm. <laughs> which which <laughs> didn't seem to affect the jets one way one way or the other jed york um, i think you might and then there's mike brown and mike brown's the most interesting case because mike brown's the one who inherited the team obviously from his father but is the only owner in the NFL who continues to run the team as his means of making a living. Mm. He and the entire family. Um, it's a family operation, um, which is like the old days. So I I'm hesitant to put him in the same category, although you could argue that the priority has always been to keep making a living at the expense of the product put on the field. Mm. Um, and they, you know, for him, the ideal situation were those years with Marvin Davis, where he could put a competitive team out every year that would dive in the first round of the playoffs. And, you know, and it always, it kept the hope there for the mm -hmm. fan base. Um, sold some jerseys off the back of it, but yeah. yeah but uh, uh, you didn't have to spend big. Marvin Lewis was very, very good at putting right. together a team without any, you know, without a whole lot of money behind yeah. it such a good point I, I think remember for for years it was if not the lowest and always sort of bottom three lowest budgets in the in the nfl and yet they were competitive i mean it, like you had carson palmer for a lot of that right and yeah tj yeah, but, and, and chad yeah. and and, and, and then then you saw you that's when you was you saw the real out reality of the situation was when they let carson palmer go yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. You know, refused refused to play refused him to pay him yeah because exactly. he wouldn't you know and um, crazy yeah uh, okay, good stuff, Mike. Thanks for that uh, question, Joshua. Uh, here's one from the Five Yard Rush crew. Shout out to them. Does Doug Peterson survive in Philly after going 13-18 and, of course, that one since the Super Bowl? That's a really good question um, because there will be a, an awful lot of sentiment, I think, in the ownership to keep him mm. because he did do a good job there. But there'll be a, an awful lot of sentiment to get rid of him in Philadelphia where the where the um, sports media is probably the most vicious mm. in, the, in the country. Um, and there'll be, I think in the middle ground, there'll be people saying, well, without Frank Reich there, he's not the offensive mind. People thought he was Reich is, is I think almost indisputably a, a more creative offensive guy who, who's been able to work with the parts that he has uh, better. And, um, it would be an interesting thing to see if they let Carson when if if Indianapolis would become interested in Carson Wentz based on Reich's time with Carson Wentz. Um, the problem being he carries a huge salary cap hit mm. um, next year, um, and that's gonna it's gonna make it hard to trade, but not impossible. Mm. Uh, and. Philip Rivers, and then you, it's what do you do with Philip Rivers? He's only on a one-year contract. It's a one-year gig, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, that is a fascinating idea, actually, Wentz going. But yeah, I, I think Peterson's probably gone. Um, but there will be a lot of people who point to the Eagles' injuries, which sure. <laughs> basically the Eagles are an injury nightmare every year. Yeah. Um, as bad as any team in the NFL, I think. Um, so maybe the strength and conditioning code. Well, you know, it's also a factor of having a lot of old, old, old higher priced guys on the offensive line that you don't want to move on from right. um, because they're really good uh, players. But at some point you have to. Yeah, sure. And, and, you know, Deshaun Jackson, I mean, and what a play, what a play. He what a had play. Last yeah. night. But that's been Deshaun for the last, yeah. you know, Deshaun's yeah. a one play guy nowadays. Yeah. yeah right. And, and, and unfortunately not. injured for most of, most of the rest of it. All right. One for the road, Mike. And this is uh, the ask Mike uh, reboot from the light night. Appreciate this. Late uh, night. The most important question that is being asked on this podcast, Mike, just to be clear, what's the best way to use leftover turkey? Is it sandwiches, curry, or something else? <sighs> There's no best way, grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> the way to use the bird <laughs> is all of those and more. <laughs> That's what makes turkey so good. Turkey is so flexible because... Buster versatile because it 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 doesn't dominate anything you can do with it what you want um i always would make a, a turkey curry 
Um, I'd probably wind up making a turkey stir fry, you know, at some point. Um, we'll go to the Carlson turkey you sandwich. You need to make turkey soup. Oh, turkey soup. Nice. Yeah, you need to make stock from the, from the turkey and, and make turkey soup. And the sandwich is mm. the best meal. Um, <laughs> you know, Christmas is leftovers, right? So you, it's it's basically the 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 Christmas. It's kind of like the Ameri- the Alliance of American Football version of <laughs> of Christmas dinner. You know, it's the leftover turkeys, some mashed potatoes here, some turnips there. You know, some beans, <laughs> gravy. You pour the gravy all over everything, and then you eat it all down. But the next meal. <laughs> <laughs> which is the turkey sandwich is actually the best meal <laughs> of the, of the it whole competes, run. Yeah. It competes with, with Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> itself. And, and that's the, um, you need good bread for it. Mm. So, and, and something chewy, sourdough bread, chapata, chapata, a stone baked kind of baguette, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you have Turkey, uh, that, that helps, right? <laughs> you, have, yeah, you have the mayo, yeah. you have the mayo and cranberry sauce, which would be unthinkable when you're having the turkey itself. Stuffing, mm-hmm. you, you need to have stuffing on it, um, especially if you put celery in your stuffing, so it gives it some crunch. Um, and then maybe some, maybe some mashed potatoes if they're you know if they're left over a maybe a big sandwich sliced tomatoes yeah it's a big sandwich you know you, you get your fattest relative to sit on it um <laughs> <laughs> putting putting a cutting board between them and the sandwich so you're you're not naturally yeah, but of course um to protect both sandwich and trousers um and um and that's it and and that's and and gravy and then you gravy it you know um so the question is whether you eat it like this or whether you do it kind of like open sandwich, you know, with the with the gravy poured over it. You got to um, cram it in, and you just got to you got to tuck the napkin in, yeah, uh, into the top collar, and just have that out. Or, what else is your bib, Mike? Another another good one is a, a turkey melt, where you melt the cheese on top of the turkey in a sandwich. You're making me hungry. We're throw some this at lunchtime throw now. some onions, throw some onions in there. Oh, uh, you sold me turkey. on that. You sold yeah. me on that. You missed. Uh, I said, Mike, you, you could uh, wear your bib, and you just rolls. <laughs> don't pretend you don't have a bib, Mike. Come on, mustache Pete. Yeah, I was watching. For some reason, I was watching the the scene in in The Godfather where um, mm. where Michael kills Salazzo and and um, and Sterling Hayden. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember what his name is. The police cap, the corrupt police captain. And the best part of that scene is the way Sterling Hayden <laughs> concentrates completely on what he's eating. And has the napkin stuffed in his, uh, yes, stuffed in yeah, front yeah, of his yeah, 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 yeah. And when he's shot, it's like it's like the napkin. Of it, it's it's so good. Oh, it's really- when you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm misremembering the the you know, Sopranos episode where they go over to Italy, and I don't know if if I'm just imagining whether Paulie tucks his napkin in in the same way, but he definitely says at one point, "Where's the gravy?" <laughs> when, they, when, they be, when they're getting getting the pasta, the Italians just look at him in disbelief. Uh, Cracker yeah, stuff, Mike. There's a good uh, video. Let me recommend while we're on the culinary subject, and this will Ollie, right. Ollie will cut it, I'm sure, but we can if he does, we can bring it up next week. Um, <laughs> no, definitely no pun intended. Um, there's a great video of some Italian woman making uh, bolognese sauce mm. outdoors with with a, what looks like a um, a bucket that has a flame in it and using that as, as the stove. Uh, and it is actually the best spaghetti sauce recipe I've seen. Um, so you I mean, made it, you followed the recipe. I followed it. It worked beautifully uh, the first time. And um, I'm not a big bolognese fan mm. anyway. It's a, But I've done it um, with uh, eggplant. I've done it with um, sausages. And it, it's just the base sauce. You'll see it's quite a simple idea. But I, I always put carrots in my Yeah, spaghetti. I'm with you on that spaghetti yeah, yeah. sauce but they they cook she cooks them in right right away uh-huh. and she makes a really thick uh mess which is then only lightened at the end with the uh pasta water mm. and it works fantastically and then you stir the pasta into the sauce oh interesting okay and and it sticks to the pasta brilliantly it's Oof. it's fantastic well so anyway if you google if you google like old italian woman making sauce <laughs> For her mother, she's about ninety years Be old. And she's very careful what you Google. I think yeah. what, we, what we will do there is get the link from you and Mike, plus, and we'll yeah, push that Google up. Google old Italian woman yeah. making sauce plus Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> 
Uh, the best bit about that story was when I said, oh, have you tried it? And he, and he said, yeah, yeah, it was good. I mean, the first time, <laughs> what happened? What <laughs> well, the first happened time the was the time? best. I mean, I followed uh, it precisely the first time. The second and, time was, was never as good. It, huh? it, it was the best. And I also had some really good pasta. It's, it's when you, that's when you discover that the quality of the pasta can make a difference. Mm. Um, when, this, when the sauce is sticking to the pasta as opposed to just being dumped on top of it, um, like a bull, like from a dump truck. Cooking with Carlson is a new podcast that we are working uh, you know on. What? As you know what? I, I think this. I've already had that idea. You know, Ooh, we, in the we last talk. three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the we only talk. thing I couldn't do is that Nigella stuff of doing like erotic gestures with spoons that have flour. Thank on God, them. you don't want to go there, Mike. Otherwise, <laughs> I'd have been off that trade straight away. But I like it. It's got legs. The idea has legs, so we'll work on that. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Mike Carson FMT is your latest column. You mentioned you wrote about Kevin Green, of course, and uh, lots of other good stuff up there right now. Yeah, and you know what? What 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 was that? For the benefit the columns, of our, the columns not the only thing that's got legs here. Oh, I see. For the benefit of our pod listeners, Mike just showed a bit of ankle, very risque for my my good Christmas. You, you won't go. see that from Nigella. <laughs> um, great stuff, bud. Cracking work as ever. Look after yourself. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. As have well. a good New Year. Yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll have see you a, a nice uh, lockdown New Year. <laughs> Look after yourself. Yep. You too, mate. Lovely start from Iron Mike. He'll be back in 2021. You can count on it. We're going to be back later on this week. Our edge rush show, me and producer Ollie, getting a set for week 17, the best action to be had. We've been on a roll, quite frankly, although we're not going to mention the Cleveland Browns scuppering what would have been five in the row for our Acker of the week, our Moneyline treble of the week. Hey, you can't win them all. Then the breaks. But generally, that's been good. So if that's your thing, then check out the Edge Rush show and the regular show back with Ben Isaacs later on this week. Our Week 17 preview dropping in a couple of days. So the content coming thick and fast as it is on our social channels as well at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, so we'll pick your poison there as well. Lots of extra video content gets pushed out on there. And incidentally, for all of those who have left a review on whichever pod platform you listen to us on, Apple Podcasts or whatever, we massively appreciate that. Really, really appreciate you taking the time to do that. It puts a big smile on our face. And if you haven't and you like the show and you've got a spare 30 seconds minute, that would be great if you could do that because it helps us with ESPN, with our sponsors, Betfred, and most importantly of all, puts a big smile on the faces of producer Ollie and producer Marley. And that's it important at this time of year it is the season of goodwill of giving and sharing right so uh, thanks for all of you who've done that and if you have time we would appreciate that we'll be back with edge rush and with the week 17 preview later on this week bye for now guys. sports social podcast network